Chris, welcome back to D Cup, the Disney Channel unoriginal podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Sabrina. <laughs> Each week we rewatch a Disney Channel original movie and discuss the good, the bad, and the cringy in an attempt to create the ultimate DCOM ranking. And this week we're discussing the iconic, the lunarious, the stellar major Disney Channel hit, the 1999 Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. Megan, hit us with that summary. When 13-year-old Xenon Carr is forced to leave her space station home and return to Earth after trying to expose the shady dealings of an evil CEO, she must fight to prove her suspicions and save the people of her beloved space stay from grave danger. What a film this is. I know. <laughs> I, I, we need to hop in because I'm very excited to talk about this one. Oh, yeah. So let's, uh, what was your memory of this before watching it like from childhood so i have some like weird random memories specifically xenon's blonde like hair and her like funky hairstyles i loved her hairstyles and then the blue and silver kind of like color scheme of the spaceship yeah and then i i vaguely remembered raven simone so i put like raven simone question mark because <laughs> i wasn't sure if she was in it but yeah. then lo and behold she was uh, so I could not tell you the plot of this. I watched this all the time. I loved Xenon so much. I I remember like wishing they would uh, play these movies more often. Yeah. But when I was like, what is this about? I couldn't tell you. I feel like all three of the movies kind of blended together in my head. Like, I know there's one where they're on the moon. Uh, and I thought it might be this one. It's not. They're not on the moon. And <laughs> I remembered Protozoa specifically. Mm. The iconic protozoa. Yes, of microbe. <laughs> I didn't remember the band's name. I thought, actually, I think I thought the band's name was protozoa. <laughs> I thought that too. I didn't realize until watching it now that that was just the lead's name. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, <laughs> can I bring this up since we're talking about him? I cackled. There's a part in the movie where uh, one of Wyndham's like, security call guard is talking to protozoa and he calls him mr zoa <laughs> yeah <laughs> that made me laugh a lot <laughs> dude his moments were something else oh definitely you brought up raven simone i want to say raven simone is adorable in this movie she really is i She's loved so her cute she was like what 14 maybe so yeah. cute she's just precious yeah, I absolutely adored her. And the lead, Kirsten Storms, loved yeah. them together. They are so like, good. What a good team. Yeah. I uh, One fun thing. So, like, I watched The Cosby Show a lot growing up. Uh, and, you know, raven Simone was on, like, the last few seasons of The Cosby Show as, like, a four-year-old. And a lot of the faces that she made in Xenon uh, threw me back to her acting as a child on the Cosby show. Like she made the, kind of the same faces and stuff, which yeah. I feel like she didn't make as much in That's So Raven. Like her character Nebula is very different from Raven. So I just thought that was really cute. <laughs> yeah, I, I do want to jump in to something that's not really specifically in a category, but I think we should talk about. Yeah. Um, the technology aspect of this movie and like yeah. what they predicted were kind of wild. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The self-driving car thing is what got me. Yeah. Because, that was like, huge. A lot of futuristic movies 
kind of, uh, they're always like, oh, we have flying cars. Right. But this one was like, no, self-driving cars. And that's what we have. That's more accurate. I also loved that they were VW bugs. <laughs> I I actually, I have that note written here in my generals where I was like, does everyone on earth drive a bug? <laughs> I know. Like, those are the only cars you see on <laughs> earth in this movie. movie. It's so that's, good. Honestly, that's my utopia. Everyone driving a bug. <laughs> What a cute little earth we would be living on. Yeah, I would love it. <laughs> but I mean, they also predicted like, you know, like FaceTime and holograms. Yeah. And, and uh, they had like iPad kind of things. Yeah, yeah. And I was, I was very surprised. I yeah. I didn't remember much of it. Um, but now looking back, I was like, oh, like most of these things truly exist in everyday life now. Yeah. Which, which is, is crazy. Cr- Crazy because, like, even when we would have watched this, it came out in 1999. When we would have watched it, it was probably, like, earlier 2000s. We still didn't have those things. Like, the way technology has evolved so much so quickly is yeah. nuts. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was wild to see. <laughs> Another thing that this movie predicted, in my opinion, is um, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Please, <laughs> go on. <laughs> The movie, if you're not familiar, features a uh, CEO, a billionaire, who has gone to space and has created this space station where a lot of people live, but then he goes bankrupt and tries to kill everyone on the space station by like letting it fall out of the sky so that he can collect insurance money. And with Jeff Bezos recently going to space, I cannot help but think this is the next step. <laughs> I need you to know that I thought the same thing. I was like, this feels a little too close to home. And then all that was playing in my head was um, the Bo Burnham, Jeffrey Bezos song. (laughs) And I'm so glad you also made that connection. (laughs) It was it was for sure. Uh, something that popped up in my head after the whole space thing that has happened in recent months. I was like, this is. This is our future. Xenon is going to predict this. And isn't it set in like 2049? 2049, yeah. So like 50 years ahead of its uh, premiere date. Which it's not that far off from like now, if you think about it. Because like, let me do some math real quick. Oh no. (laughs) So yeah, it's 28 years from now Xenon takes place. I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like, you and I, we're 23. We would be 51 in, if like, if we're looking at the Xenon world as canon, we all exist in this movie. We would be 51 years old. (laughs) I hate that. (laughs) We'd be older than Xenon's parents. Okay, we need to move on from this point. <laughs> okay, uh, next topic. <laughs> um, this is something I wanted to talk about before we moved into the positives. Is okay. um, the stakes in this movie are astronomical. So high the entire time. <laughs> I, have, I cannot think of another Disney Channel movie where the stakes are this grand. Like, I mean, we already kind of told you the plot, but just to reiterate, 
um, there are what, like maybe 200 people on this space station. And the CEO is not only going to kill all of them by letting this space station like drift off into space and they all slowly run out of oxygen and die. He has sent a famous rock band to the space station to also die in space. And this is all being saved by a 13-year-old girl. <laughs> I know. And it's that's crazy. That's something that I don't understand. Um, why Disney thinks when you turn 13, you're an adult and can do everything. Like you have <laughs> think, everything you need. <laughs> it's it's more of like, I think it's more of like a fantasy for kids, you know, where it's like, I want to watch this movie and be like, I could do that. Because when you're 13, that's what you want to do. You want to be able to like save the world or, you know, save your space yeah. day. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, but I just think it's funny because in Halloween Town and in Xenon, they had similar moments where it's like, but mom, I'm 13. I know. <laughs> and it just like makes me laugh every time because I was like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. 100%. But, but yeah, I'm, the, I was blown away by how into I don't think I realized like how severe the stakes are in this movie when I was a kid. And watching it now, I was like, they're going to kill all of them? <laughs> For insurance money, which is similar to, you know, under wraps in that the right. whole plot is insurance fraud in a kids right. movie. Love that theme. <laughs> uh, do you have any other, like, general things you wanted to bring up? I, I do think their description of Earth was <laughs> very funny. Um, <laughs> just being money hungry and motivated by self-defense. And violent. And, and violence. <laughs> it's like, and is it wrong? Not necessarily. No. But, but it was just so funny how casually they talked about it. Yeah. And it made me laugh so hard when they yeah. described it. Like, I had to pause it and I was like, hold on. It was <laughs> they, very funny. They got us there, okay? Yeah, and all the natural disasters and... Yeah. I think they mentioned, like, a big earthquake of, like, 33 or something. Which, yeah. if there's an earthquake in 33 that's monstrous, uh, we're going to have to talk to uh, the writers. Yeah, which, they uh, know something. Speak <laughs> speaking of, so this movie was written by Stu Krieger, who we have actually uh, seen his work before. He wrote Phantom of the Megaplex. Right. Um, he also wrote, you know, Smart House, Gotta Kick It Up, Cowbells, and Childhood Classic Land Before Time. And the movie was directed by Kenneth Johnson. And uh, an interesting directing credit I found for him is that he was uh, the main director and like one of the creators of the Incredible Hulk TV series from 1997. And he wrote Mighty Ducks 3. Fun guy. Yeah. And the movie is based off of a book by Marilyn Sadler from 1997. It's uh, it's a young reader's book. It's about 48 pages, but it's a series, and there are five books in the series. I am so surprised by how many of the like movies are based on books. I am too. And I've never heard of any of these books before. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I Wild. saw that uh, in the beginning credits, and I was like, this one too? <laughs> yeah. Like, where? <laughs> I know. Where have these books been? I mean, I, it was a young reader, so it probably, like, I doubt we would have 
seen it much, but yeah, I just thought that was weird. Yeah. Hmm. So this movie has a 62% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's an audience score, not a tomato meter, not enough critics watching Xenon for it to have a tomato meter. Tragedy. Um, but a 62%. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I feel like I feel like it could go a little higher in my opinion. Yeah. I, I don't think it's like way too low, mm-hmm. but I think I think it could get a couple more points. I agree. In my opinion. So, uh, let's get into this. What are some things that okay. you really liked about this movie? Okay, I loved Xenon as a character. Yeah. I think she is such like a strong, inspiring young female role. Yeah. And I mean, there were just so many moments where I was like, yes, like this is incredible. This is what I wish I like saw more of now in movies. Yeah. And I think that because I love Xenon when I was little, I think that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I did. She was just such like a cool character. But she also was very independent and very her own, like very much her own kind of person. And I loved that. I also thought it, she was a very like grounded character. Yeah, for sure. Like, they for wrote sure. her really, really well. Like she never annoyed me when it came to like talking to her parents or anything. She was very like respectful. And, you know, she did like go head to head with authority, but she was right. She was trying to save everything and nobody believed her. Yeah, exactly. And she was very, like, headstrong in the best way. Like, not in a bad way at all. Like, in the the best way you could be. And, like, I just loved seeing that from such a young character. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it felt like she really knew who she was. Mm -hmm. And that you don't see a lot, especially in, like, tweens. Like, you see them being like, I think I know Mm-hmm. what i'm talking about but she really felt like she had this like purpose which is and very cool because i had no idea who i was at 13 same <laughs> same i still and, don't know <laughs> and that's why i think she's such a good model for mm-hmm. young women and i just like i would love to show this to you know tweens now you know this is definitely a movie that like if i have kids in the future i want to show them this movie yeah yeah absolutely and i think uh kirsten storms who played xenon absolutely killed this role killed it i have a so good uh the casting in this movie is so good incredible xenon amazing nebula amazing I mean, we all knew that Raven Simone was destined for greatness from the Cosby show on. Um, I thought that Greg was casted great. Lutz, he looked evil. Great casting. Um, yeah. The whiz kid on Earth, Greg's friend, and Protozoa. Oh my like, God. <laughs> the casting out of this world. <laughs> yeah, truly. Fitting to the movie. I didn't um, mean to do that, but... <laughs> But yeah, I think the casting was phenomenal in this. Also, more diverse than most at this point in Disney, um, which I like to see. Well, it's the future. They knew. Right. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, diversity. Let's go. (laughs) Um, I also think the friendships in this movie were well done. I loved Nebula and Xenon's friendship. Yes, absolutely. I think it's such a great 
relationship to show kids. They were so supportive of each other, and I just loved it. But also, Nebula knew when Xenon was in the wrong, Mm -hmm. and and she didn't, you know, she didn't take her side. Like she was like, you know, you know, held her accountable. Yeah, and And when Xenon gave Nebula her dance with Protozoa at the end, I cried. (laughs) I had a little bit of wet eyes. (laughs) It was such a good moment, and it was. I just. I loved their friendship throughout the whole thing. And Mm -hmm. the fact that it arced throughout the whole thing, too. Yeah. And that was something that I think a lot of the relationships in this movie have good arcs. Like, they didn't lose relationship arcs in this movie like a lot of others have. Another relationship that I really enjoyed was Xenon's relationship with her dad. I thought that that was such a sweet... Just a, such a sweet father-daughter relationship. It felt very realistic. I believed that, you know, they were related and that, you know, Xenon's yeah. his only kid. I wish they had written the mom a little better. She came across as very, like, you know, the stereotypical mom's the disciplinarian, dad's the fun guy. But, you know, that's a small thing. Yeah, I think, I think just overall, like... Xenon's relationships, because they got time and they got focus, which I feel like isn't as popular, I think, and they were well-written, it just made the story that much better because you were invested in everyone. Like, even her and Greg's little thing, their little, you know, tween romance, I wasn't mad at that because they had an arc. I actually like that's one of my uh, bigger notes of things that I loved was I really liked the little love story B plot that they put in. I thought that it was well written, like you said. I thought it was age appropriate. It wasn't like too dramatic because I feel like sometimes, you know, uh, a love story can kind of take over the plot and it can be like the main focus. It was just very sweet and innocent. Like they didn't try to make these 13 year olds be too old for their age, too mature. Uh, I just, I thought it was great. I thought it was so well done. It was cute. And and also not to shade other uh, romantic B plots in Disney, but a lot of the times it's just kind of thrown in there and they're not really useful in the story or in the (laughs) plot, like like at all. And I- We're looking at you, Amy and Marshall. Exactly. Um, but literally, like, in my notes, I wrote down, Greg and Xenon are cute, and he's useful. Like, <laughs> he's useful. And, and it was one of those things that I realized then, once I wrote it, I was like, there are so many little romantic B-plots in so many Disney movies that aren't necessary. Yeah. And this one was so well done. I, I was just so happy to see one that was, like, fully written through and... Age appropriate. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like, uh, sorry to go back to that, but I thought of a point where like growing up, I feel like there were a lot of friends of mine that were just kind of like kind of boy crazy, for lack of a better word, because I think media showed us like we have to have these really intense, serious love things going on. Right. And (laughs) love things. (laughs) 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 But... I liked that this movie recognized that they're 13 and it didn't have to be crazy serious. They weren't 
you know, it's not the love of their life. It was sweet and innocent and it didn't put pressure on kids to feel like I'm missing out on something. Yeah. And also the moment where, is her name Margie? Is that Margie. Right? Yeah, Margie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> pretty much like Xenon's middle school villain. Um, <laughs> the moment when she goes up to Greg and she's talking about like, Xenon not being his girlfriend because she's his girlfriend or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Greg is like, I'm not your boyfriend. I've never been your boyfriend. And that moment, I was like, oh, wow. Um, I know. But honestly, I, I in middle school, I saw that. I yeah. saw that everywhere. Girls and were like, dibs. <laughs> exactly. They were like, oh, saw him from across the hallway. He's my boyfriend now. Like... <laughs> Meanwhile, it's the most average looking little boy in his <laughs> basketball shorts and slides. D- not a clue going on in his head that this is happening. <laughs> right, exactly. But also, where were the girls for Andrew, his friend who was like hacking into this like big company system? Well, Andrew should have had mad hoes. I'm saying it. <laughs> I'm saying the brains on that kid. Also, he was a cute kid. Like he was so cute. He was my wife's Greg and all the girls. Yeah, I thought he was great. He was. All the hoes were after Greg. I I know, man. (laughs) Always a groomsman, never a groom. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Andrew. (laughs) It's okay. Andrew probably got into MIT or something. He's gonna be fine. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's going to be the winner in the end. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, another character, speaking of the earthly realm characters, loved Aunt Judy. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, you didn't like her? I didn't like Aunt Judy. She's Why? on my negatives. Uh, let me flip to my negatives page. I. This is the first time we've ever disagreed. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I just thought... That she was very childish, and I I would have preferred Xenon to have more of a guiding hand on Earth. I don't I don't like when movies and TV show TV shows for kids show adults as like incapable or stupid because I think it gives kids this idea that oh I'm smarter than all of the adults in my life. And like, I just don't think that that's like a great message because then kids, when they get into problems, they don't feel like they can go to somebody to help them. Does that make sense? I, yeah, I see where you're coming from, but I disagree. And Mm -hmm. here's why. I think that because of the way Xenon was written, she had this feeling of, you know, she was in charge. She knew what was going on. Like she was her own little adult in a way. Right. And she also had her parents in this movie, the parental figures who were very much written as yeah. the stereotypical parents. Um, they, so I, I think, think they were had, written really well. I I agree. And so I think she had those adult figures to look up mm-hmm. to. But I think once she was down on earth, I think her aunt Judy showed her that like, you know, it's okay if you don't know everything and it's fine and I think it kind of brought her down to be a kid again in a way. And yeah, I think I it was just that. I think it was an energy that she didn't have in the space station. Yeah. 
And and I liked that. It was kind of this like very caring, like very self-aware energy. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, hey, I, I'm scared of things. I don't know everything, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. And like, you don't have to feel like you have to do all of this. Like you don't have to be, yeah. you know, the savior of everything. But because Xenon is who she is, she she did. And that like, yeah. that's great. But I think she brought a different energy and personality into it that she didn't have up in space. I guess I didn't, I didn't see it that way. I, I guess I didn't feel that she was as childish as you felt she was. I think it was very balanced. And I liked mm-hmm. that she had that different energy. And I think she she allowed her to be a kid. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's something that I felt was like missing in the space station. And that was like a point was that like, yeah, you know, she's around all of these researchers. Yeah, they and- kind of expected all the kids to act like adults on the space station. Right, right. They have to be so careful and they have to do everything in like perfectly in the right way. You know, like I get it. They're in the middle of space. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you got to be careful. Uh, but Space I, where you don't typically think children should be. <laughs> right, exactly. But then, you know, once she was on Earth, I think yeah. her Aunt Judy gave her an opportunity to just, you know, go and be yeah. a kid for a bit. And it was okay. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Earth... I really liked the Earth scenes that Xenon had that, like, established her differences between kids on Earth and growing up in space. Like, specifically the lab scene where she, like, heated it to... There's a scene where Xenon is, like, in middle school and uh, she's in science lab and she has to heat up a beaker to, like... 250 degrees but she does it in celsius instead of Mm -hmm. fahrenheit and it like makes it catch on fire i really like that i loved the horse scene that Um, was a great wholesome scene yeah where xenon like discovers like she sees her a horse for the first time and greg shows her how to brush it and how to ride it and then i loved the scene where she and greg are riding bikes and he's like do you know how to ride a bike and she said um, yeah, our gym in space is full of these. And then she takes off on the bike and completely falls to the ground. And she says, did I mention they were stationary bikes? <laughs> no, I thought that was really funny. My my favorite is when she first lands on Earth and she's coming out of the spaceship. She's walking down the stairs and she sneezes and tumbles completely <laughs> down the stairs. <laughs> and she was just like, gravity. I know. It was so funny. Which it was they so sent good. her. If you see it like the beginning of the movie, it's like it her alarm clock is like April something 2049. And they really sent Xenon to Earth in April at peak pollen season. Right. Her allergies were gonna be off the charts. She's never encountered dust before. And you're gonna send her into pollen season? They did her dirty. I'm surprised her eyes weren't swelled shut the entire movie. (laughs) (laughs) But I really liked those like little scenes. I thought it was great um, just establishing character and challenges that she was going to have to overcome. I also really love the scene where her and Greg are eating and she keeps ordering a bunch of stuff because like (laughs) they weren't allowed to have greasy food or fried food or anything with preservatives or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just so funny because yeah. he Greg Greg is sitting there and he's like, 
uh, I have to pay for this. <laughs> um, which, like, chivalry is not dead, I guess, in this movie. Um, yeah. And, chivalry uh, had a comeback, I guess. <laughs> right. Um, and and it was just so funny because you can see him kind of panicking. And, and she's just having the best time with this food. And, yeah. I mean, I can totally see that. I mean, there are, you know, that's a big thing right now is, like, the health food and, like, eating without preservatives and as a kid if you have the chance to eat you know mcdonald's or something really bad for you for the first time of course you're gonna freak out and you're gonna get super excited and it's gonna taste so good and it was just such her and greg's scenes when we're seeing their arc are so wholesome yeah and Um, so well done another scene that i liked i loved the very beginning of the movie we're throwing it back to the beginning uh, where Xenon wakes up and she is late for school and she is like running through different sections of the space station. We get to meet a lot of different characters. And I thought that that was just really quick, amazing world building because, you know, you didn't have a lot of time, and but they were able to show the entire world that we're living in, this space station and how things work in like five Less than five minutes, probably. I just thought it was a great introduction to the whole movie and the world that we were in. I completely agree. I think the world building in this movie is very, very good. Um, I just, I absolutely adored it because I think they they spent the time on it. Yeah. And you can tell they spent the time on it. I don't think they even spent too much time on it. It was just like, it was efficient. Also, uh, this is just a little joke I wanted to throw in. Um, That President Clinton bait and switch that they pulled at the beginning of the movie. Would you like to describe to the listeners what this joke is? I know. I I need you to do it. I think I, I, (laughs) I don't know if my memory will serve me well enough, but I know exactly what you're talking about. So um, Xenon is in class. She's made it to class on time and they have like a holographic teacher and it kind of like cuts in into the middle of class during a lecture. And the teacher says something about President Clinton has done such and such with uh, this policy. And at the time this movie came out, Bill Clinton was president. And so he says, President Clinton did this. And then he says, she. And he said, that's right. President Chelsea Clinton whose father was president at the turn of the last century. And I thought that was so clever. <laughs> I I laughed so hard when I it heard was that. Funny. I was like I was like what a way to make it like to just throw that in there and yeah. once again build more of the world um but also make it relevant to the time. Yeah, because everyone knew Chelsea Clinton then. She's not really involved in politics now. I doubt that will be a prediction that they get correct. But I just, I thought it was really funny. It was a fun little bait and switch where I was like, President Clinton. And then they said she, and I was like, Hillary's still kicking. And then I was (laughs) like, oh, Chelsea, I get it. (laughs) Funny. (laughs) I also think one of the things that it took me a second to, you know, take it in, but then once we got into it, I started to love it. It's the lingo in this movie. I've been waiting to bring that up. It's my favorite thing in the movie. (laughs) Like at first, at first I was like, can I hear correctly? Like what's, hold on. And then I was like, oh, okay. I was like, yeah, this is great. I love this because I mean, now 
as 23 year olds, I probably could not understand what middle schoolers are saying now. Yeah. That's a very real thing. Like, mm-hmm. that happens. And it was so, so good. And they did yeah. it so well and integrated it so well. Mm-hmm. And they didn't make it too complicated either. Yeah. The the thing that I really loved, one, it's iconic. Everybody knows. Zetus Lapidus, uh, like, uh, major and minor, lunarius, like, all of these words, iconic. But I think... It was genius that they did this because I think it made the writing feel less cheesy. Yeah. And it did something that I I think is just pure genius where in like if you look at television and movies today where people are trying to write teenagers and they put in lingo because everybody uses certain words and, you know, there's slang going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when it's a modern day film with the advent of the internet, slang changes so frequently. So like words that were in last year, people don't really say now. And so you'll watch a movie and you'll see like these teenagers saying slang and it feels so dated and kind of cringy. But because the movie was set in the future, they could pick whatever words they wanted And it worked and it makes it feel grounded because like on the off chance that you do get the slang right, it does make scripts feel more realistic. And I just I love I thought it was genius. They could pick whatever word they want. It was almost Shakespearean, you know. (laughs) Lita (laughs) Slapitas by Shakespeare. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like Shakespeare has this like way of speaking and you have to decipher it and put. You have to understand what they're saying and put that meaning behind it. And that's kind of what they did with this. Xenon is akin to Shakespeare. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Xenon, the new Shakespeare. Yeah. Uh, No, something I also loved is that Earth had slightly different lingo and slang than her space space station. Yeah. And I mean... The words were just, I mean, they were synonyms of each other, really. Macro and micro, viral. Right, right. But so you could still understand it, and it still made complete sense within the world, but it was just slightly different. Yeah. And it was something that Xenon obviously had to notice, and her friends who she met on Earth had to notice, but it wasn't so, like, such a large difference that they had to completely change the way they talk to each other which i think was perfectly done yeah but i'm wondering how much of their parents brought this lingo up into the space station oh yeah and if that has something to do with why it's similar but not the same yeah well i think something cool is that like all of xenon's lingo is space related so it's probably things that they've heard their scientist parents talking about and they've just kind of like taken them and thrown them into everyday life, which I think is really cool. And yeah, and also their parents could just use it because, you know, yeah. that's what they're talking about and that's what they're around. And it makes me think of, you know, in aviation, they have practically a whole different language. Yeah. And like m- my mom works in aviation. And so there are things that she says in everyday life, like little phrases that are related to that and not to anything else. And yeah. and so it's slipped into my family's vernacular. 
And I think that's interesting and in how their parents, because like you said, they could have caught their parents saying stuff like that and they kind of turned it into everyday slang. Yeah. But You're I right. think it that, was... It's just so cool. Yeah, it was such a great layer that they didn't technically need to do, but I'm so happy they did. I think it elevated yeah. that script to the 10th degree. You yeah, know? tenfold. Like, And also, I, I do want to point out that I can recognize why... Like, I feel like some people might not like the lingo edition, you know? Like, mm -hmm. they could be like, it was too much, it was cringy. And I could see how some people would think that, but I disagree wholeheartedly. I think it <laughs> elevates the script in such an amazing way. I love that we're both on the same page on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every time she said Zeta Slapitas, I kind of was like, oh. <laughs> and then I was like, Zeta okay. Slipitas, but like the other ones, they all worked really well. Zeta Slapitas yes. always felt a little forced, but I'm I'm fine with it. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was just a big exclamation. Like Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. a lot. Um, it was a lot of syllables for you to yeah. say when yeah. you're shocked. Like that was the first line Xenon says in the whole movie. She wakes up late and she goes, Cetus Lapidus, how did it get to be so late? <laughs> but I mean it made it iconic. <laughs> yeah. Straight up. <laughs> um there's a shot in this movie that I thought was so cool. Um, and you are super like into directing. So I wanted to know if you caught it as well, but it's towards the end of the movie and, uh, Xenon has like made it back onto the space station and she and aunt Judy are going to like confront Lutz and Wyndham and then commander plant comes in and it's just one shot that is continually on them until they all meet at this like cornerstone of the space station and it's circling all these actors standing and it's it was like a like a two or three minute shot where they are just circling around and the scene is continuous and i thought it was so cool i love shots like that because i always like think like how much work goes into that and with all these extras running around in the background and all the lights flashing like that was probably really hard to film and i loved it i thought it was so cool yeah i did notice that scene and i thought I thought the same thing. I was like, wow, this, first of all, long, continuous scene. Um, so long. And for, you know, a low budget Disney movie, you know, you don't expect to see really cool, difficult shots like that. Yeah. Um, and I think there were some shots in this movie that I think helped build a lot of the suspense, mm -hmm. which I loved. And yeah. I think they utilized it so well. Um, yeah. And that that's a huge thing. Um, like we I talked love, about, the stakes were huge. Yeah. The suspense was so well done. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just, I love a, a long, long continuous shot. Yeah. I think I mean, maybe because it reminds me more of theater. Like you and I are both like yeah. from a theater background where, you know, you don't get to like stop and start a lot. And so maybe that's why I like it. But I don't yeah. know. It's just really cool to me. I, I also just like, when I see stuff like that, my brain automatically goes to the technicality of yeah. making that work. And I'm like, wow, like, hold on. I want to see, I want to see how they made this all happen. You know, yeah. I want to. Especially with the millions of extras that were running around in the back of that. Yeah. And also like, how many times did they have to film this to get it right? How many, yeah. you know crazy things that they have to go through just to make it all work. And yeah, I, I love it. If you haven't 
look up on YouTube, like the behind the scenes of making a continuous shot. It is fascinating. It is so fun to watch. And seeing it in a Disney film like this, I I loved it. I was like, you didn't need to, you know, do a difficult shot like that, but I'm so glad you did. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it just, it adds something. (laughs) Just a little extra sauce on that scene. Yeah. A little, uh, buffalo. (laughs) <laughs> little spicy sauce <laughs> um, and then my last positive supernova girl is a bop yes yeah a damn bop i, <laughs> I completely agree it. zoom 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 <laughs> that like at first i was like what is happening and then i was like okay wait hold on <laughs> yeah <laughs> i, I no. can kind of get into this it's good. Yeah. I love the part where it's like, I love is automatic. <laughs> yeah. It reminded me like very much of like Backstreet Boys in yeah. kind of era, you know. Well, I mean, he also had the spiked frosted tips. So, <laughs> okay. That's, uh, I have words on that. <laughs> uh, do you have anything, uh, any other positives that you really loved? I just wanted to throw out some of my favorite lines. Go for it. I want to hear them. <laughs> So the first one uh, that I wrote down was Greg's line. The last time I helped you, I almost got whiplash from verbal assault. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) I was like, I was not expecting that from like him, especially, but also Uh a Disney movie. I was like, oh, okay. I love that he stood up for himself because like Zedon really was mean to him for no reason. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. And he was like, he told her how it was. And a lot of my favorite lines are kind of like that, that are just, you're just like, oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Another one, which I I like this one because it's relatable to me. Um, It's when Xenon and him are on the beach and she's like, could my legs get any whiter? (laughs) I like glow in the dark. And I was like, oof, too relatable. (laughs) You know, that's something that made me think, like, how awful it would be to live in space. Because I, I, like most of the country, suffer from a little bit of, like, seasonal depression. Where, like, if the sun's not out, I'm not very happy. Mm -hmm. Space? No sun. No trees. Nothing. It would be be dismal to live in space. Awful. (laughs) Yeah. It just sounds very gloomy and sad. Yeah. Um, but when she said it, I was like, oof, my my whole life. <laughs> um, and then the uh, line towards the end uh, that Xenon gave to Greg, she was like, Zetus Lapidus, Greg, if you want to kiss me, just do it. And that energy, that energy, I was living. I was I, like, ah! I was snapping. <laughs> I was like, Yes. <laughs> I, I was Let's getting go. out of my chair, dancing. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yes. I loved it. I was like, I Bold, need this. Beautiful. Yes. I loved her energy. But I got to say, my favorite line of this entire movie oh, I can't is wait. right before Xenon is, uh, quote, grounded, where she is literally grounded to Earth. Um, I, I think I know what you're going to say. She so Nebula doesn't, you know, take her side. You know, she holds her accountable. <laughs> and Xenon turns around dramatically and says, A two Nebula. 
I told you it was Shakespearean. <laughs> I was like, okay, Julius Caesar. <laughs> Let's go. What's better, Xenon or Julius Caesar? <laughs> It was just, it was one of those moments that I had to pause it and just laugh. <laughs> I couldn't contain myself. Amazing. And then Nebula was like, you're quoting Billy Shakes? <laughs> it's so good. It was, that's amazing. So let's get into what we disliked, because we obviously loved a lot, but I yeah. want to hear what you um, did not like. Okay, I'm going to ask this question. Okay. Why was there a child-sized spacesuit? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> I loved that scene. I loved the spacewalk scene. I thought the lighting design in that scene was amazing with all the colors. Which, yeah, the lighting design for the space station scenes, amazing. But <laughs> why is there a spacesuit sized for a child that you can do spacewalks on? <laughs> now, yeah, come on. I but also, like, once again, with the security thing, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, who, who was, well, uh, they, you, they were watch that, like, watch they that room. Well, they weren't supposed to be down there, and it was locked, but Xenon's little friend, I can't remember his name, I think it was Leo, Leo's dad has all the codes, and I guess Leo's dad is just leaving the codes around their module, <laughs> because Leo stays getting codes for restricted areas throughout the whole movie that's very true and fire him fire leo's <laughs> dad 2k49 <laughs> 2k49 no but literally i was like how are there not more like security restrictions and i and i get it leo had the codes but also like the locks on those doors like how they just let her out into space this 13-year-old girl just they said go <laughs> like the fact that they even made a spacesuit sized for a child they should have known that those yeah. would be issues right like and also just... speaking on the security um you know they go and they find xenon in the main memory bank and she's trying to explain that like lutz was there she wasn't there trying to mess stuff up and then they were like well lutz says he's been in his bed quarters since dinner they don't have cameras yeah. on the spaceship. There's no security cameras at all. That was just like a little unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. And I just think there was a lot, especially on the spaceship, that I was like, did they just not think this through when they brought children onto this? Yeah. Because <laughs> children are curious. They will find ways into oh, every yeah. place you don't want them to be. Yeah. Especially, like, like, in in some of those bigger scenes, there were young kids on there. Yeah. I, and they said Xenon was on there since she was five. Yeah, and I, it led me to believe that, like, some of those kids were born there. Yeah. So. So it's just, like. Crazy. Yeah, I, I was blown away. (laughs) Another thing that I thought was very funny, that was not supposed to be funny was any time like Xenon or Lutz were in the main memory bank and they were like typing things in, putting in like codes and you looked up and they were like symbols. They were wingdings. Do you remember on Microsoft Word when like it was like Microsoft Word early 2000s, you could select the font wingdings 
and just like type things. And they were all like weird symbols. A lot of like astrological signs. No, I just, noticed like, that at the yeah, end. And like and funny like- symbols. It was, I I would put money on it. They were wingdings and it made me laugh so hard. And if this was 97, of course they were wingdings. Right. Why not? <laughs> but that made me laugh very hard. Like her, I couldn't take it seriously. Her typing wingdings in this like high tech computer. Yeah. I, I just think there was a lot, especially in that last scene where she was like typing in all of this stuff where I like, I mean, it was suspenseful, but it was just so funny because all you saw were the just little like random wingdings, wingdings, <laughs> <laughs> like popping up on the screen. And there was a point where I'm like, is she changing what she's typing? I can't tell. I don't think she was. Like, was she just <laughs> typing in the same thing over and over again? I thought she was just typing her name and letting the wingdings do the rest. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Uh, <laughs> the wingdings really do some heavy lifting in this film. <laughs> oh, my God. Justice for the wingdings. <laughs> Bring that font back. I don't think it's on Microsoft anymore. That's criminal. <laughs> Or maybe okay, I just we, haven't had enough whimsy in my life to check. <laughs> okay, we got to move on to more dislikes. We, we keep finding we uh, funny, good things about it. Um, yeah. The CGI, uh, oof. <laughs> it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, however. I could have been worse, but also, yikes. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, especially with the ship, like, over the water on Earth. Oh. That was that was not well. It was, it was bad. It was so bad. It's not. Bad. I mean, they did their best, but they only they did use it more sparingly than I thought they were going to for being yeah. a space movie. Yeah. Well, I thought the green screen effects, like when she did her spacewalk, I thought that did fine. Yeah, um, that wasn't bad. Also, <laughs> speaking of the CGI and like green screening, green screening things in, there was a scene where like Greg and Xenon were looking up at the sky and you could clearly see every single star in the sky. And I yeah. was like, so you're telling me we got rid of light pollution by 2049? Because <laughs> that was like, it wasn't a major city, but it was not a small town where you could be able to see the sky that clearly. <laughs> right. No, I did notice that too. I was like, that's a lot of stars. <laughs> yeah. I Like, even out in the country, I don't see that many stars. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Um, I also, the set in the spaceship was <laughs> so fake looking. <laughs> I really tried to ignore it. I didn't write that down because I was like, suspension of disbelief. But you're right. <laughs> it And I think here's the thing. I think it was too matte if that makes sense yeah like everything's like silver and blue so i guess you had to balance the shiny clothes (laughs) understandable i do i do get that but just like even just like a little glimmer on like the silver parts that you would think would be like metal Mm -hmm. it would make it look a little better but it just looked very like plastic cardboard (laughs) right (laughs) yeah um this is a moment that i didn't like it was the scene where lutz has like he's left the main memory bank and xenon is stuck there and he has the disc and he goes to put the disc in his breast pocket 
And he completely misses his pocket entirely, but doesn't notice and walks on. And so the disc falls on the floor for Nebula to find later and turn into a stylish earring for Xenon. (laughs) I thought the... (laughs) I thought that was such a lame moment where he misses his pocket. They could have figured out something better than him right. missing his freaking pocket. I completely agree. I when I saw that, I was like, "You're did, kidding? Did you not know? How did you not <laughs> notice?" <laughs> it was just it, was, it. It was not. It took me out. <laughs> yeah, the, that moment I was like, mm, "That was a little too easy." <laughs> Yeah, they could have like they could have pulled a Polar Express and maybe had a hole in his pocket. I don't know. I was just thinking that I was like, yeah, just a little hole would be the easiest way to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree. That moment and they was, made a meal of that shot, too, of him I missing know. it. <laughs> they, they could have done so much better. <laughs> they they did have some sloppy cuts throughout the movie. Yeah, there was one specifically. I can't remember what scene it's in but it was like a cut between i think windham and xenon but there was she was still moving her mouth but he was Mm. talking and it was just like and it was long enough that it was noticeable Mm -hmm. and i was like oh that's unfortunate and they there weren't a lot of them or a lot of like super noticeable ones i was definitely like looking Mm -hmm. for stuff like that um but there were just some like sloppier cuts that I was like, eh, that could have been cleaned up and made yeah. a little better. bit better. Yeah. yeah. Um. I, so earlier I said I liked a lot of the scenes on Earth establishing Xenon's struggles that she was going to have to overcome, like the lab mm-hmm. scene and the bike scene. This this scene out of those handful, I did not like at all. And it was the pool scene. Where uh, Xenon is like, I guess it's swimming time in school. And they ask her, like, can you swim? And she says, yeah. And then Margie, classic mean girl, pushes her into the pool so hard that Xenon's ponytail disappears and her she doesn't have a ponytail <laughs> anymore. Um, continuity right. error. But yep. they like Greg has to hop in and save her. And it's very dramatic. It's like this big dramatic underwater scene that was a little too much but then they get up and they're like i thought you said you could swim and she said yeah in space what <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> like did you not see the giant pool of water in front of her like, like that's what, what they were talking about like do they have you swim <laughs> do they have like pools that's what i thought it was like I, I took it as there was a pool on the space station and she could swim there and somehow that's different than swimming on Earth. Um, gravity. <laughs> but there's gravity on the space station. <laughs> They're not floating around. What did that mean? No, what do you I mean swim in space? What does that mean? No, I just love that that was her thing for a lot of, uh, or her excuse for a lot of things was just like gravity. <laughs> I know, and there was Um, gravity on the space station. Which, like, Nebula did say, like, Earth gravity adds 13 pounds. That's not that much. That's like a backpack. I mean, you're not wrong. (laughs) I might be. I'm really bad at estimating weight. (laughs) So I could be wrong. (laughs) I mean, how much are you carrying in that backpack? I mean, in high school or, like, middle school? school a lot (laughs) yeah when i had to carry all of my textbooks with me uh yeah Yeah. 
Um, but I, I agree. That moment where she's just like flailing around in the pool, I was like, why? <laughs> a little too much. It's, this is a lot. <laughs> like, this didn't need to be this dramatic. Um, yeah. I There were some other things, like Mr. Mr. Wyndham winking at children. I don't think he was winking. I think it was a twitch. Are you sure? Because I'm pretty sure there was one point where he looked Xenon directly in the eye and winked at her. I think it was supposed to be like his tell that he's lying. Because I noticed he was twitching and I was like, what's going on there? And then Xenon says later, like, whenever he lies, his eyes blink a lot. Maybe it is, but it looked like he was directly winking at children. And I said, ew, no Now, thank come you. on, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> That's what we they- should call <laughs> Mr. Wyndham from now on, just Jeff Bezos. <laughs> I mean, it's accurate. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, I was like, could there be another thing? It just felt very creepy to me. Yeah. Because it looked like he was winking at children, at least to me. And <laughs> I was like, this feels wrong. And we all know that's a big no-no. Yeah, you don't do that. Um, (laughs) In case anyone was wondering, if you are doing that, cease. (laughs) um, And something I was just as offended by um, as Wyndham's (laughs) working was Protozoa's frosted spiked hair. (gasps) No, I loved it. I (laughs) I mean, very like futuristic JT vibes, but like... It was the spikes. It was the spikes for me. (laughs) I loved it. I thought he... There's no one else who could have pulled it off other than Protozoa. It was just like the first scene that Protozoa like shows up in. I was I my job was just on the floor. I was like... I thought it fit well with his whole thing he had going on. It made sense. It made sense. I I've never <laughs> liked it. Just not. That's not a thing for me. Um, it, but the, it made sense. But I still didn't like it. <laughs> right. It was. It was the spikes that really got me. That was the weirdest part for me. It yeah. felt wrong as a hairstyle. Yeah. I don't know. I loved it. Um. But the biggest thing for me that I did not like in this movie was Margie. Yeah. Um. One, we didn't need her. Like Agreed. we we had enough. We we had a big enough villain for Xenon. You know, the CEO trying to kill two hundred plus people. Um, right. I don't think we needed Margie, and also I don't think she was a good mean girl. I think if she had been a good mean girl, I could have gotten behind her being there a little more. But. She just didn't check any of the boxes for mean girl character. She was just annoying. And I didn't believe that she was popular in her school because her friends didn't want her there. <laughs> like these friends that were around her, they were always just acting like they they hated her. And I was like, why do you keep inviting her? <laughs> you clearly, clearly no one likes her. I don't know what I- kind of pull she has at this school. <laughs> I thought the same thing every time. She was in a scene. Everyone hated her. And I was like, who keeps inviting her here? Like, why is she here? And But then again, she wasn't in it enough to be, like, a fully-fledged character. Yeah. And I think she was the one downfall of the characters in this movie. Yeah. I 
I just think they didn't, if they were going to make her the mean girl, they, like you said, like, give her some friends, give her some pull. uh, Like, like, to make a really good mean girl, you have a set of boxes you have to check. And one is, like, you have to believe that this character is popular. Um, I did not believe that. that. No one liked her. (laughs) She also has to be, like, kind of backhanded almost you know like Mm -hmm. you can't be like outright mean because then you become a bully character and that's different from like the mean girl that you're trying to portray and then you also have to want to like punch her in the face (laughs) and i really only wanted to punch her but that was just because she was annoying not because she was a mean girl (laughs) you should want her to be hit by a bus that yeah that's the quintessential yeah like, if you're not sitting there and saying, this girl needs to get her shit rocked, <laughs> she is not checking the boxes. At this 13-year-old. <laughs> well, no, I'm thinking of, like, Kate from Lizzie McGuire. I yeah, yeah. I beat yeah. her up <laughs> every episode. It's it's crazy that Kate never got punched once during the run of Lizzie McGuire. And that's what made her a good mean girl. That's all you need. You just need people to want to absolutely wreck you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And this girl, I just wanted to like push her out of the scene. It was like, no, we don't need you here. It's like you Um, were just, you're like, I think it was that like, because the stakes were so astronomical. Her coming in and being like, you better stay away from Greg. I wanted to be like, Margie, there are bigger things at task here. <laughs> People are going to die. <laughs> like, chill. <laughs> okay, before I move on, do you have any other dislikes? No. Okay, because speaking on Margie, um, also something that offended me was her orange sweater with like the feather boa like collar thing going on what was atrocious <laughs> absolutely atrocious but you know what the costuming for margie let us know who she was very true it absolutely. did the heavy lifting of saying i'm the mean girl that the writing did not <laughs> agreed honestly yeah (laughs) i just like that is burned into my brain now and i don't think i can forget it (laughs) just awful it was so bad (laughs) although you know like xenon and nebula and like the girls on this spaceship their outfits were killer i loved the children on the space station's outfits i thought that the colors were all really fun I loved the hairstyles. Like, I loved all of Xenon's hairstyles, Nebula's hairstyles. Um, I'm not really sure why they had to dress like that. But, you know, we don't need to ask too many questions, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But I I loved it. I loved the outfits. I thought the costuming choices for the children in space were great. However, what were the adults wearing? Okay, so <laughs> I was about to bring that up as well. What on I, earth? A brown leather trench coat? Okay, but here's the thing. For me, I okay, I liked the overall color scheme of like pink, purple, and blue, especially mm-hmm. for the kids. 
Yeah. I understand that I guess the adults have to have boring colors because they're adults. But like I some guess. of them didn't. Yeah, and that's why I was confused. For them. Um, but I do have to say, I was kind of a fan of her parents' outfits, like the tan shirt with like the bright blue jeans and the big belt. I yeah. was kind of into it. I wasn't that mad. Now the coat was a lot. <laughs> the coat, not a fan. But I think like the base outfit, I was like, okay, y'all kind of look like zookeepers, but I'm kind of into know. it. Well, my my <laughs> biggest question was just why are they dressed like this? Because like, if you look yeah. at people who are on the International Space Station, they have like those like jumpsuit kind of things. Yeah. And, you know, we're in 2049, maybe suspension of disbelief. Maybe they don't have to wear those anymore. Why can't they wear regular clothes? <laughs> Great like, question. is there something about the spandex that's keeping them all intact? But the thing is, the parents' clothes were more normal. Like, the brown shirt with, like, the jeans and the belt. And then everyone else was wearing, like, really weird, like, spandex, colorful yeah. clothes. Maybe and it that's, kinda, like, their lab clothes? I don't know. Maybe. Because um, I was also wondering that. I was like, why Why the sudden tan tones? Yeah. In in maybe they the were adults. trying to make them stand out. I don't know. Maybe. But yeah, I I it was it was a weird choice. I just yeah. I didn't quite understand how that fit into the rest of the costuming. Um yeah. um one thing I loved was Xenon's red Doc Martens. That is my number one Amazing. fashion love. I noticed those and I was like I need those right now. I yeah. want those I on my feet. I didn't like them with the outfit. So she wore them when she went from space station to Earth. And I didn't like them with the outfit she was wearing because I don't, I think they really clashed with that um, teal, pink, purple spandex thing she was wearing. Mm-hmm. But she wore them again when she was like horseback riding. And they're so cute. They were such a staple. Like what I a look. Them. Yeah. I, I absolutely love those. Um, also, I want to bring up Lutz's red pinstripe suit. Absolutely. <laughs> Hot. I'll say uh, it. <laughs> I I mean, like, villain to the max. I mean, they did not try to hide. Like, this was the villain. Bring and I back loved it. the pinstripe suit, but in different colors. Yes, absolutely. Make it the rainbow. Let's go. Heck yeah. I loved, I loved like the solid red pinstripe suit. Honestly, I liked Lutz more of a villain than I did uh, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> I agree. Um, I I think Lutz had more to him. And I yeah. think that was the point. I think, you and know, he was. He just looked evil. There was something about his face. They cast him so well. But also, why did he talk the way he did? He talked very weird. <laughs> it was like kind of uncomfortable. And I couldn't tell if it was a choice or just yeah, this man's I don't voice. Know. I don't, it was just slightly off to the point where I noticed it. And I was like, yeah. Huh. But I don't know. I, I did like him more as a villain than. I think, he, well, he Jeff just got Bezos. more screen time. Yeah. And I think they developed him more, which I mean, yeah. he was the right hand man. So, of course, he's doing all the work. He's doing all yeah. the heavy lifting. Um, yeah. But I also have to say for fashion, my last fashion mm-hmm. note. Some of Greg's outfits. I would wear. 
I'm not going to lie. I mean, some of them, I was like, wait, that kind of hits. <laughs> Which ones? I mean, there was one where I just, where he was wearing like a t-shirt and then like a short sleeve like button up over the ba- it. The baggy button up, which is very yeah. 90s. Yeah. And I think that's coming back around too. Yeah. And, by 2049. But, yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, But I was like, hold on. Like, these are kind of cool. And he had like a, I think it was like a tan button up with like uh, a funky pattern. Um, yeah. It had like little like funky shapes or something on it in different colors i was like that's kind of dope like yeah i would I wear liked that greg a lot i don't think we talked about greg enough i thought he was a good average boy i agree he i played I that think, well yeah and i think it was one of those things like we talked about in phantom of the megaplex where you know they cast just average looking people like not the super hot yeah, very like supermodel kid. But he was like, but he, he was, was still he was still and, a cute kid. Yeah. Like you would have a crush on him if you were seven watching this movie. Absolutely, and but he wasn't like a model. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, more normal people in movies, please. Which is just me saying, cast me, <laughs> <laughs> cast me, please. <laughs> I'm so normal looking. <laughs> um, um, would you like to know a couple little fun facts? I would love to know a couple little fun facts. Now, I just have a few, but let's go. The budget for this film was $5 million. Wow. And um, I think it shows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the set, as you discussed. Yes. <laughs> They cut corners there for sure. Yeah. Um, But I think they did great with what they had, the money that they had. Yeah. I mean, that was, uh, what, more than Halloween Town? (laughs) Yeah, I think Halloween Town had four million. Four. Yeah. And I mean, for being a space movie and only having five million, not bad. I don't know. Halloween Town with only four million, they did so much. They did everything. Costumes, makeup. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Great movie. Um, this movie was originally conceived as a pilot for a TV series. Why didn't they do that? I know. Can you imagine if we had had a Xenon Disney Channel show? I would have watched the shit out of that. It would have been great. I but would I don't have know. loved well, to I see mean, they more. Made three, I was like, maybe they didn't have enough like ideas for episodes. But I'm like, they made three movies. So they could have come up with something. And it's in the future. They could do anything. Yeah, the sky's the limit. That was an opportunity missed. Yeah, squandered. Hmm. And uh, my last fun fact, this was the first DCOM to ever get a sequel. Oh, yeah. Xenon, the sequel? Just absolute, like, brilliant naming. Brilliant. I mean, it was there. Yeah. Abs- I, just perfect. Like, you so, could like, have done I feel better. Like- like Xenon and Halloween Town, I feel like in my mind are like the first big, like iconic hits, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, that says it right there. It's the first DGOM to get a sequel. It was a hit. I also believe I read when I was looking up stuff about this, um, and I may be wrong. Um, so don't <laughs> quote me, but I believe I read that this is one of the highest rated DCOMs of all time. I think so. 
I think it is. So I'm going to quote you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's correct. I think it had like a really big uh, turnout in viewership or at least like for the second one. Like people were excited to come back. I can't remember quite for certain. But um, I really, this is just something I was like thinking of. Um, I was wondering like where these actors are now. Well, how funny. I have the answer to that. Let me tell you. That's so great. Thank you. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) So first we have Kirsten Storms, who played the iconic Xenon. And since Xenon, she's done a lot. Um, Great. Acting and voice acting. Um, But she actually went to do two very famous soap operas. And so the first being Days of Our Lives, which she was on. Yeah, she was on that from 1999. So same year as Xenon um, to 2004. So she was doing soaps as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And she actually won both the Outstanding Child Actor Award at the Soap Opera Digest Awards in 2001 and the Best Performance in a TV Drama Series Leading Young Actress in 2002 for Days of Our Lives. That is so cool. And I I don't know much about soap operas, but I do know that like the filming schedule for that is rigorous. Like the turn because they put up new episodes out every single day. So like as a kid working in that environment, that must have been tough. Yeah, absolutely. And not only did she do that, but she also went on to being in General Hospital. um, Oh, the other big one. (laughs) mm -hmm, Which she's she's been on since 2005. So right after Days of Our Lives. So she's Um, still on it? Technically, yes. um, But she's actually currently on a break or from what we know, um, due to having brain surgery in July of (gasps) 2021. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Apparently, it was a non-cancerous cyst in her brain. Um, But it has been said that she is recovering successfully. And they just they don't know when she's going to be back onto the show. But she is still technically a part of General Hospital to this day. Wow. Well, that's a that's a crazy long run for her to be doing that. Yeah. That money go off. Um, And I hope she recovers. Well, everybody out there listening, put some prayers, send some vibes, whatever you believe in. Yeah, that's crazy. I hope that she recovers and can like hop back into General Hospital. Me too. Me too. And I'm, she's had a career. So I yeah. hope it doesn't end here. I, I hope she goes back and. Yeah. And has, she's so good. Uh, she is. She's incredible. I, I loved yeah. her. Um, and next, moving on to Gregory Smith, who played Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. So he's starred in over 25 feature films since Xenon. Including The Patriot, where he was opposite Mel Gibson and Heath Ledger, R.I.P. Um, wow. And he was also in the Steven Spielberg movie, Small Soldiers, opposite Kirsten Dunst. Wow. Yeah. And he's also um, known for playing the protagonist on a hit series called Everwood, um, wow. where he won Best Performance in a TV Series Leading Young Actor in 2002. Um, so when he was also young. So both of them have been 
child stars and yeah are continuing in this industry um and he's still doing movies he's still acting but he's also a photographer and a producer and an entrepreneur so he actually founded or co-founded the u.net which is a student network where they produce high production value video tours of popular u.s schools that's really cool yeah, so he's still doing a lot, um, mm-hmm. and because he's a photographer and yeah. an entrepreneur, he just he has so many avenues going yeah. for him in career. Um, you know, that also reminds me of a fun fact I forgot to write down. But uh, the high, the middle school scenes uh, mm-hmm. that they shot were actually shot at the actor who played Greg's high school, and so like a lot of the extras in the background are his friends. That's so cool. Yeah. I thought that was What an experience that must have been. Yeah. Like they filmed in the summer, I think. And so they just had like some of the kids in town come and be extras. That's so fun. Yeah. So let's let's wrap this up, kind of give our final thoughts and then try to put it in the ranking. (laughs) What, What are your, let's tie your thoughts up into a nice little bow, Breezy. Okay. So I... If you couldn't tell, I loved this movie. I I think it's such a fun, exciting movie to watch. And I think it has such great characters with Xenon being an incredible lead, especially for young female, um, just teenagers. Yeah. And I think the relationships are incredible. I think... The plot is fun and interesting and suspenseful. And I honestly had such a time, like a fun time watching it back, even as an adult, that yeah. I I would absolutely recommend this movie to watch now to adults, teens, kids, anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I I loved this movie. I had such a fun time watching it. I would put this as like a comfort movie for me, I think. Yeah. Like, it definitely is something that, like, if you're not feeling great, put on Xenon. It's a comfort movie. It's like a warm hug. Um, I think it's really well-written, like, script-wise. Mm-hmm. I think it's a well-written kids movie. I liked the story. I liked the sci-fi aspects of it. And it had a lot of really funny moments, a lot of really great one-liners. I, I don't know where to put this on the list. I'm thinking t- higher tier. I agree. But I don't know where. I, I've i been thinking about this a lot. And it's yeah. so difficult for me. I think, I, I think I'm trying to figure out if it's between Xenon and Under Wraps. I think that's where I'm I, at. I think me too. Um, but I love Halloween Dad. It's such a... I, oh, it's so great. This is... This is I, when we... When we made this podcast and said, let's make a ranking, I don't think we realized how difficult it was going to be. <laughs> uh, no, we didn't. We didn't at all. Um, <laughs> I I think it's, I keep going, because I did earlier. I was like, which is at the top, Under Wraps or Xenon? And I, this is very hard to put aside my own personal affinity for this movie. Right. Script. Let's look at script. Is the script better than Under Wraps? I, I mean, I, I think, think it's the on way- the same same level for me 
Yeah, and I I think the only thing that may put it a little above for me was how they integrated like the lingo. I think that is yeah. such a cool thing that they added that it wasn't necessary, but they did it and it made it that much better. Um, yeah. But like I think you said before, some people can see that as a negative, where I I we both see that as a positive. But I ah, but I loved Under Wraps too. I think that was. Yeah, and I think the production value is better on Under Wraps. Yes, that is very true. Okay, let's. This is going to be my thing. I loved Under Wraps so dearly. However, I if I'm thinking about year round, I'm definitely going to watch Under Wraps at Halloween. But would I watch it outside of Halloween? Is it good enough to transcend the season? Great question. I yes, it is. <laughs> I, I mean, but <laughs> I think I would be more inclined to put Xenon on. I I think I agree. I think if somebody were to ask me to recommend a decom to them, and it's just at any point in the year i think i would recommend xenon because you can just watch it anytime i mean if it were spooky season i'd be like you better be watching under wraps um (laughs) or if they were like what's a hidden gem i would say yeah i think like under wraps has the hidden gem award i i agree that one really like came out of left field and it was in the in the best possible way just the most surprising i think i am comfortable putting xenon at the top okay i i think i can i can stand with you there i yeah i think xenon really hit the mark on this one yeah 100 percent. well so okay. i'm comfortable putting xenon at the top i think that's a great place for us to land and thank you all for listening i hope you rewatch xenon it's a great rewatch please go, do go watch it if you haven't And please join us back next week when we will be reviewing Read It and Weep, starring the Panabaker sisters. And we have a little surprise for you. We will have our first guest on the show. It's going to be a little secret surprise guest, but we're super excited for it. So, yeah. I can't wait. It's going to be so fun. So, Megan, where can you find us online? You can find us on Instagram at Disney Channel Unoriginal Pod. Also, if you like us, please rate us five stars. It helps other people find the podcast. And you could also leave us a review and let us know what DCOM you want to hear about next. We release new episodes every Sunday. So until next time, thank you for tuning in. I'm Megan. And I'm Sabrina. And you've been listening to DCOM. The Disney Channel Unoriginal Podcast. Dun, 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 dun.